Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we discovered that evil has many faces, as the tagline read, but they all look a lot like Macaulay Culkin in The Good Son, which means today it's time to talk about that twist as we find love in a new family in 2009's Orphan. Adopting an older child is not an easy decision. My name is Esther. And why aren't you down at the party? I've never really seen the point of it. I guess I'm different. There's nothing wrong with being different, you know. You seem to have made quite a connection. This is our new student, and I'd like you all to make her feel very welcome today. Oh, look. Little Bo Peep texts me. She wants her outfit back. <laughs> Esther, what are you doing? <laughs> I think there's something wrong with Esther. So which film will be welcomed permanently into the Clash Pod family and which will be dropped off a cliff? We'll know by the end of this show, so let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Podders. I'm not your fucking mummy! I'm Alex Zane. I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> and that is it. Vicky's still away. She'll be back. Not next week, but we do have a special guest uh, taking up her seat in the studio. She's having a lovely time in Croatia, by all accounts. Has she texted with her winner? No. Not yet. Are we going to have a problem? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Jeopardy. <laughs> Jeopardy. So remind us why we're doing these films this week of The Good Son versus Orphan. Well, this is dropping on uh, Thursday the 18th of August, meaning Orphan First Kill is going to be out tomorrow in cinemas in the UK. I was really hoping I would be able to see it before doing this podcast, but I haven't, oh. I haven't watched yet. I haven't been able to get a screening. Before we get started, it's time for our regular dip into the digital mailbag and a review from Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly. Let's hear it. 
This is from Katie Fairbarn, and uh, she says, I endured my sister Lucy banging on about this podcast for months before I finally caved and started to listen. Now it's my favourite podcast, and I'm the one recommending it to all my friends. It's made my watch list incredibly long, but it's worth it for all the great insights and banter on the pod. I miss wearing a mask to hide my smirk around campus as I listen, although I might avoid the Truman Show episode to prevent flashbacks to my English exams. Love the pod. Thanks for all the good vibes. Five stars. Best pod ever. What are those flashbacks? What, what English exam do you talk about the Truman Show? Yeah. I was having to talk a about fun bloody, one. A good one. Yeah, I did the Crucible in mine. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Great, great play. I have known her. That was a fun expression to use for a while. Yeah, I thought you I thought you were going to say I, a great film rather than great play. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Because you probably haven't read the play. I have read the play. Okay. That's why I'm saying I had to do it for English. Yeah. I don't truck with no devil. Oh, Titchy good. buff, great that's character. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, lovely, lovely review from Katie. So thanks for that. Thanks, Katie. But more to the point, thanks, Lucy. Taking our words at the end of each episode of Tell Your Friends About Us, mm. quite literally, friends mm. and family, Family you're included in Friends, yes. so thank you Annoy for spreading the word. Annoying your sister. Right then, let's get into this. On Monday, I could use the same line again. We dropped off a cliff in the good sun, which means today we're asking little Esther, what do you like best, daddy or chips? Daddy, definitely daddy. Let me take you on a journey. After having a stillbirth, Kate Coleman is scared to try for a baby again, so her and husband John go to an orphanage where they fall head over heels for nine-year-old Esther and welcome her with open arms to their amazing home and two other children, lovely Max and little shit Daniel. No sooner than you can say, little Bo Peep texted, she wants her outfit back, than Esther is threatening to cut off a child's penis, caving in a nun's head with a hammer, burning down a treehouse with a child inside, and turning everyone against poor Kate, who once had some wine, so is massively on the back foot. Thankfully, Detective Kate gets a call informing her that little Esther is actually 33-year-old Lena, who loves a bit of killing. And so Supermom goes off to fight the little bitch. Cue a payoff, which might be up there with smile, you son of a bitch. Please don't let me die, Mommy. I'm not your fucking Mommy! <laughs> Clash Butters, for your consideration, we are talking orphan. So, you know my history with this movie, Chris. This was a first watch for me because I got all confused thinking I'd seen it, but that was The Orphanage, mm. a Spanish-language movie. Different different tone, Yeah, I would say. Also good, though. Very good. Also Exceptional. Good. Mm, really it's on, good it's on the long list. So, no, this is uh, pleasingly a, a first watch on both movies for me this mm. week, The Good Son and Orphan. How about you? Well, as I explained on Monday, I actually told you the twist in the pub, but was pretty sure, as ever, you weren't properly listening to me. And thank God sometimes I don't listen to you, <laughs> otherwise you'd have ruined this movie for me. Um, because the irony there is I hate spoilers, I hate having stuff spoiled for me, I hate spoiling stuff for other people. Mm. I didn't see this film when it came out. Um... And I, I was aware that it had a twist. It became known as one of those films that you have to watch for the twist. Mm. They come around every now and then. They're normally in the horror genre. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll give it some time for this to die down because I had some inklings of what it might be, but I wasn't sure. And then I was on a work trip somewhere in a hotel room, put on the telly, and it was trying to figure out what the film was that was on. And it was the moment the twist happened. Literally, I put it on the moment the, the, the big reveal. Oh, no! And so I had it completely spoiled by myself, <laughs> by switching on a telly. I mean, what are the chances? 
she's a grown woman. <laughs> yeah, and so a little bit gutting, but it was such an amazing twist that I did then go back and watch it. I just didn't get the excitement of that reveal, which to this day will upset me. Haunt you. Um, it's, what was I comparing it to in that message I sent you? Malignant. Yes. Yeah, it reminded me. That's what I was me, just thinking about just then, actually. Reminded me of uh, the amazing twist in Malignant. Yes, which we will, I think we will do at some point. get to yes. at some point. Yeah, yeah. that's nuts. Um, right, then I'll tell you a little bit about this movie. So it's the uh, first feature by writer David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. Um, interestingly, and I want to ask you a question about this, Chris. Mm. Uh, it might be a dead end, but I know nothing about it, and it got me a little bit excited that it had even been a thing ever. So he started his career as a production assistant on Frank Darabont's The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then... Uh, as Frank Darabont's assistant, uh, used this opportunity to craft his skill as a screenwriter and wrote at least two scripts for the cancelled Return of the Thing, a four-hour sequel miniseries to John Carpenter's 1982 cult classic The Thing. I don't remember this. I've never heard of this. No. And I've never seen it anywhere else apart from this guy's Wikipedia page. Wow. It means nothing to me. Uh, I should have looked it up, but I didn't. (laughs) Uh, So it's, uh, correct me on the pronunciation, Jaume Colette Serra. Um, So, I mean, this has come up a few times because we keep doing his films. It's his fifth outing on the pod. We love this guy. Mm. This is a director I didn't realise I loved. I'm not, as established, I'm not the biggest fan of House of Wax, but everything else we've done of his. Non-stop. It's been, well, most of the stuff we've done of his has been enjoyable. Yeah, some of the we stuff. We did The Shallows is what you mean. Shallows was great. Yeah. I, I liked one of those Liam films. Yeah. We, we differed on that. But, um, so watching all the behind the scenes, they call him Juame. Juame. Yeah, which is great. not how you would think the Spanish, the, the Spanish would be pronounced. But um, but watching the behind the scenes on the, the DVD that I bought of this, mm. Susan Downey says, um, this is an idea that Leo had and gave to a writer. What, as in Leo DiCaprio, because he produced it? Yes, it's Appian Way. It's a, he's a producer on the movie. She claims in that. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if they're just talking up DiCaprio, but she said, idea that Leo had and gave to a writer. I can maybe believe that. I mean, I couldn't find anything which uh, David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick was like, no, this was my idea. I just found the stuff about the thing. So it's... Maybe, maybe not. Possibility. Not my words, the words of Susan Downey. Um... You sent me uh, after these, so thank you for uh, making me investigate this. Mm. Do you want to hear about the story that inspired uh, the film Orphan and then a story perhaps inspired by the film Orphan? Yes, because as I did say to you, I didn't quite understand them. So if you've made head nor tail of them, uh, that would be very helpful. Yeah, the original article that's attached to the Wikipedia page is just a really difficult to understand article. Thankfully, uh, Screen Rant... um, made it a little clearer. So as far as I can understand it, this is inspired by the case of Barbara Skrilova, who was a a big news story when it emerged that a 13-year-old boy called Adam, who'd just been adopted in Norway, was actually a 33-year-old Czech woman uh, who'd previously been in another family who'd adopted her in the Czech Republic, and she'd manipulated the mother of the two boys and her sister into... Actual abuse, awful things, including locking the boys in the basement and depriving them of food. And yet, when a neighbour alerted the police to potential abuse in their household, it was the two adult sisters who were arrested and Skolova 
escaped pretending to be a child. So that was in the Czech Republic. After this, there was another story where the 13-year-old boy of Czech parents went missing and apparently Skolova stepped in to pose as this 13-year-old boy. Then, for whatever reasons, things went wrong with this new family and so she ran away and at the point she ran away, their ruse was discovered uh, and that is where she ended up in Norway only to be discovered as a 33-year-old woman posing as a 13-year-old boy. Mm. Again, it's not the easiest story to understand. No. It flips back and forth. Especially that second case there. Like, how did she hook up with... How did a, a woman who looked like a little boy hook up with a family who needed someone to pose as a little boy? This is the, this is the interesting thing. I mean, and there really isn't. Do you cons- put it on Twitter? <laughs> Considering Craigslist, uh, a national news story... Like it, it, mm. it, it's it's a very, very cloudy national news story yes. because who were these? Where did the thirteen-year-old boy who she ended up posing as? Where did he go? Why did the parents suddenly just replace him with someone else as opposed to mm. I don't know organizing a manhood? It's sketchy, but yeah, this is a story that inspired Orphan. Yes, and 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 based on a real life um, illness. Yes, yes. Oh, I wasn't going to mention it till the end, so you're asking me to go right the way ahead. I don't know if uh, this woman uh, actually had hypopituitarism. That's why I didn't say it. (laughs) Hypopituitarism. Yes. Hypopituitarism. It's to do with the pituitary glands. Yes. Hypopituitarism. Having having deficiency of pituitary glands. Yes. It's a rare hormonal disorder that stunts physical growth and causes proportional dwarfism. Mm. But I couldn't find any reference to that in this story or whether she was just a tiny 33-year-old woman Mm. who could pose as a kid. So that's the story that inspired Orphan. Uh, The story that uh, that Awesome Orphan inspired. So... This happened 10 years after the movie comes out in 2009. It's a couple in Indiana, uh, Christine and Michael Barnett, who were well-versed in raising children with special needs. So in 2010, sorry, this uh, this is where it began. In 2010, they adopted six-year-old Natalia Grace from the Ukraine, who had a form of dwarfism that made it difficult for her to walk. So she'd been in the US for about two years before she came to live with the Barnett family she came to live with them after her last adopted family gave her up for undisclosed reasons. And after a while, Natalia, and this is according to the mum, the adoptive mum, Christine, started acting strangely. So it's important to know that these reports are coming from the mum, mainly Christine. She said the girl was threatening the family, standing over them at night. And she even saw her once trying to pour bleach in Christine's morning coffee. Mm. So she specs at this point that Natalia was not actually a child and backs up this suspicion by saying her vocabulary is very sophisticated, she's got no interest in toys, and then she provides some since-disputed medical tests that show Natalia as having the bone density and teeth of a teen or young adult. So now that Christine believes Natalia is running this scam on them, they legally change her age on her birth certificate to 22 years old. This is in 2012. And then in 2013, they rent her an apartment and then they move to Canada, leaving her be back in Indiana. Mm. If they find out, the, 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 Natalia says, they've abandoned me. This family that adopted me have abandoned me. And so they were charged, the family, with two counts of neglect of a minor. But Christine still maintains Natalia is a dangerous adult running a scam, and so the case didn't constitute child abuse. 
So that's what happened now. Uh, apparently, it's still the case where Michael, uh, the husband, Michael Barnett, who's now divorced from his wife, he's now saying that the couple knew the entire time Natalia was a child, but that Christine convinced everyone to lie about the age. Mm. Anyway, uh, Christine is quoted as saying, the movie Orphan is exactly what happened. Sounds like someone that might have watched Orphan too many times. Um, yeah, you haven't shed a huge amount of light on those stories. They're, it's very confusing, have isn't it? Have you found it's, something else? No. No. It's no. difficult, to, it's difficult it, to fathom. Yes. It, yes. It's, it's, it's messy, um, but just strange that there's two, at least two stories out there um, that, that maybe mirror what we're about to talk about because it's... It's a strange story. It's it's it, it, it's it is strange. I couldn't believe it. I could, you know, I mean, the first one more so than the the second one is just like it reads like the plot of the orphan. Mm. Anyway, shall we talk about this movie? Um, yeah, all, all I've got is, is some of this behind the scenes stuff. Tell um, me, um, Juame didn't see the twist coming. That's why he signed on. He said it's very tough finding a great kid. He said when you see a good kid in a film. They've probably already grown up, <laughs> so it's hard to cast that way. Um, Esther, um, Isabel, sorry, Furman, isn't it? Is it Isabel yes. or Isabella? Isabel. Isabel Furman, who played Esther, he said, didn't look like the description of the kid, but in the audition, she sounded like her. She wore old-fashioned dress and ribbons. She really got into the part. Although, it, this weirded me out. On the DVD, they interview her, and she's still a little kid. You know, she's still, whatever, 10 years old. They asked her if she could relate to Esther. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad she said no. Can you imagine she said yes? <laughs> wow. That is someone just being handed some EPK questions <laughs> and going, yeah, fine, whatever. Uh, but, um, yeah, and uh, Susan Downey and Joel Silver produced it, and she said, uh, Silver said, Downey said to me, we're either making a great horror movie or we're all going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll get on to it. There is some controversy around this movie. Um, there were a few issues. Uh, Warner Brothers had to change something in the trailer, but we'll come to that. Mm. So uh, let's get this out of the way as we go through this film. You know I love it when they mess with the studio logo. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, despite the fact it does remind me of the first Suicide Squad movie a little too much, mm -hmm. I do like the luminous paint on the Warner Brothers logo. Yeah, it's good. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Unfortunately, I don't like that moment in the film. It feels entirely unnecessary. Yeah. So we'll come to that. Yes, it's terrible. <laughs> Why is there a fish tank in a room? How does she get all that equipment <laughs> and the lights and everything? No, but it's the fish tank. It's like, mm. who goes? We're adopting a nine-year-old girl. Do you know what they love? Tropical fish. Let's put a fish tank in with the UV light because that's that's not going to be necessary later on for a sort of vague plot twist that we'll come to. So what an opening. Holy shit. The way it's shot, blowing out the background, the creepy nurse, the bloody mm. trail, the husband's eyes as the doctor, then the husband filming the stillbirth. It's it nightmarish. It goes on a little long, but it's genuinely frightening. It's got it's sort of Dead Ringers, Cronenberg vibes, isn't it? In fact, the whole opening sequence feels quite Cronenberg. Yeah, it's it almost goes on too long, but I think the minute that they bring out the crying baby covered in blood, which has little metallic teeth, like the alien that comes out of John mm. Hurt in Alien. Mm -hmm. I was like, eh, that's, that's quite an impressive image. Yeah. So we're off to the races. Uh, let's meet Kate, uh, played by the always brilliant mm. Vera Farmiga. Uh, big fan. Yeah, and interestingly, I think they said on one of the things I watched that she, she got hold of the script. She wanted the part. She put herself on tape and sent it to them, you know? I bet. It's a, it's a good part. Mm. And she's great in it. Yeah. Uh, we find out that uh, 
she did have a stillbirth. So this nightmare, well, it obviously probably didn't happen like that, you've got to hope, uh, was a nightmare based on the fact that she had a stillbirth. She already yeah. has two kids, uh, Daniel, her son, and Max, who is deaf, her daughter. They will come, and that will come into play later on, sort of. So she's in therapy. She had a problem with alcohol and now can't drink. They're considering adoption, but she's not sure. I think this opening is great because from scene to scene, the film is messing with our idea of whether Kate is a bad mum mm. or a good mum. Yeah. Like she almost drives into traffic in a great jump scare where the truck comes across yeah, her. Because she's seen a pregnant woman. Mm. I mean, for me, she's not safe. Yeah. Based on that, that's... She shouts. That's as serious as it can get. She nearly killed herself and her daughter yep. because she saw a pregnant woman. Mm. Mm, she needs more help. She like is furious uh, with Max for banging a ball off a wall while she's trying to play piano. Yep. So you're like, okay, bad, bad. But then good, though. She reads Max a bedtime story about the sister Jessica who she never had she never met rather that's heavy that scene who's an angel now it's really well done mm. she's great in that uh, and and Max takes out her hearing aid so we can hear Max's silence for a period as you say it doesn't quite fit into the storyline Max not being able to I guess it does she can't hear anyone at the end when she's um in the in the greenhouse but um yeah I just the bond between mother and daughter here and what they've been through, and she's that that girl who plays Max, she's how so she behaves. Good. You just you just really don't want bad things to happen to these people, mm. and you know they are, and so it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, this what this is what draws me in. You want you want great horror to really hit you on an emotional level, and this this sequence does for me. Really does. Agreed. Although we haven't found out yet exactly how Max uh, became deaf. No. That's uh, that's on the way. Um, mm. But first, Kate's no longer intimate with her husband, John, played by Peter Skarsgård. Uh, it's a fucking great cast, isn't it? For a, Yeah, good for actors. A, a horror movie. Yeah, not the most trustworthy face either. Is he another David Morse? Is he, is, uh, is he part of that Yeah, when he, when he appears on screen, I think normally you think, oh, oh, Bit dodgy. something's up with this guy. Yeah. He, cause I think he, it's, it's also the way he speaks. It's maybe not his face. It's the way he speaks quite quietly and the way he's kind of almost whispering to you when he talks. Oh, I'm thinking, I was just so, I was going, it's, what is the movie where they actually play on whether he's trustworthy or not? And it's Flight Plan, isn't mm. it? With Jodie Foster, mm. where he's like, you're like, no, he's a good guy. Oh my God. Yeah, and, and I'm saying this about him and David Morse. It might just be good acting at playing characters who are to be trusted. Mm. I'm just saying, when they come on screen, I feel like there's a built-in... There's built-in information. Every feature on an actor's face is completely controlled by the actor. So however they're positioning those features that is making them untrustworthy, that is intentional. Mm. That is intentional. That's mm. what they teach you at RADA. You can move each eye independently. You can reposition your mm. nose. So it's all yeah. it's all acting, mate. Yeah. All acting. Um, but they do, they do a mirror gag here with him appearing behind her. And I don't think the film needs these pointless jump scares. Or if it's going to use them... Use them sparingly and not not in moments where there's just nothing happening. No, I agree. Didn't need to happen. Um, it's lazy. He's another architect. Of course he is. We were talking about this just the other Aren't week. Aren't enough architects in movies. But there was a 90s and 80s thing. I'm, it's good to have one now. Yeah, he's come back. He's brought it back. That bit of being a man and knowing engineering but still being able to position your 
father figure in front of a drawing board because he's uh, creative. And I'm guessing he designed that friggin' awesome house. An incredible house. Um, although they do say later on <laughs> that the family that Esther was with previously all died in a house fire. Yes. Now, to me, mm. if you are having your family's home made 90% of timber, mm -hmm. then you have to have a fire later on. Yes. You can't sort of go, she probably was the arsonist that set the old family, and look at this house. It's wood. 90% yeah. wood. Surprising. So interesting line here where John says, we don't have to go through sex for my sake, in so many words. Mm. Uh, I think he's talking about sex there because it feels like he might be saying the opposite. Like he wants her to be aware that he's getting a bit bored of the no sex thing. It feels a little bit like reverse psychology he's trying on her. Oh, I, d I think that's harsh. I'm s maybe it's because he's untrustworthy because yeah. he's Peter Skarsgård. Yeah. So, bottom line from all of this is after the stillbirth, Kate too scared to risk uh, uh, something similar happening. So that's why they're considering adoption. Bang on page 12 of this script. Where are they? They're at an orphanage. Mm. John is cracking terrible jokes about a snowman, calling it a snow orphan. Weird. Very weird. Not to be trusted, that man. Before he follows some singing upstairs to find Esther. Right, so because it's fun to do the guessing in a horror movie, at this point, this is my twist, because okay. I didn't know it. I just knew there was a twist. So when John is um, sort of following the singing and it's sort of him who's making the decision to bring Esther into the, the family... I'm starting to think maybe John is the fuck up because normally you'd think it would be Kate who follows the voice upstairs and mm. she's the one who discovers Esther. But I'm thinking, wow, this movie is sort of going, oh, she's got loads of demons, so she's in therapy. But actually it was going to be a vote of confidence for therapy because she'd actually dealt with it and actually he's more fucked up about what happened than she was, but he didn't do the therapy, so he's going to go psycho at the end. Yeah, That's I like where it. I was. It's good. And also he's not trustworthy. So I was very wrong. Uh, let's meet Esther. Uh, mm. Like you said, Isabel Furman. Brilliant. Um, she's drawing a picture about a lioness missing her cubs. Mm. John says that's sad. But then she adds the cubs in and says she likes to take bad things that happen and turn them into something good. And what does John say to that? Very mature. Very mature. <laughs> she is very mature for her age. She's telling us what she is yes, yep, already. Yep. She's very mature. Um, well, someone else also tells them she's very mature. The, the, the nurse tells them that she's very good, mature for her age as well. Yeah. So we get it twice. The nun, Sister Abigail, she does pull a face initially. No. She's like, she's like, oh, oh, I hope they don't want Esther. And then she's like, no, Esther's great. I'm like, get her off her hands. <laughs> which one is it? Make up your mind. Well, we find out that this sister's keeping a lot of information from them here. Yeah. Yeah, she, she wants to give Esther a chance. And in that moment, she is very convincing. I mean, I'd have adopted her in that moment. Mm. I'm like, fuck, we can sell these paintings. But she's also telling us who she is because she tells them I'm different. You know, yeah. I guess I'm different. Yes, you are, Esther. Another bad guess for me. When I met Grandma Barbara, Kate's mum-in-law, and she was patronising Kate about AA versus stopping drinking, I had dead meat written down. Um, she, I think the, I think the film might need one more casualty, and it should be her. Definitely. Don't set this character up; otherwise, don't bother having her. Yeah. Oh, the only other thing she does is uh, send uh, Esther off to suffocate Daniel later. We get some history though. Uh, something happened to Max by the pond, but Max can't remember what happened. So I think I worked it out. You kind of drip fed this information. Kate was drunk. I think she was dealing uh, with the stillbirth using wine. Wasn't watching Max when she fell through the ice, and that's what caused Max's deafness. Mm. But Max thinks she had it from birth because she can't remember. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. They've, they've thrown a lot here, haven't they? Uh, something else that's not resolved. It's not like, at no point does Kate go, listen, Max, I have to tell you this. Mm. It's kind of my fault. Which you sort of like, if you're building in the idea mm. that they've lied to their kid for this long, you're sort of also building in the idea that, well, maybe the truth must out. Wow, it's complicated, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of plot in here, isn't there? There's a lot of backstory. I like it. No, I, no I'm not complaining. Okay. It was like... It just fit, you know, I guess because we've done The Good Son where there was very little in the way of backstory and plot. Yep. I feel like that you just, you just, you can tell that a lot of love and care has gone into this script mm-hmm. to, try and, to try and tick every box and to try and set everything up. And not, as you're saying, not quite everything pays off, but it's, it's quite a rich world they've built and, and rich characters. Definitely. And like I said, the drip feeding of it, like you mm. sort of like the fact that I'm still even now, I think that's pretty much on the money. But you're yeah. sort of piecing together little it's, snippets of dialogue. There's no massive exposition. Where they go, fi- remember when Max fell through the ice and then she became deaf. You remember you did yeah. that because you were drunk. There's none of that. It's, it's like sophisticated morsels. storytelling. Mm. And, and I've spoken to Jason Blum about this, where he says the horror movies he thinks work best for them are the ones where they don't explain and they don't over-explain stuff, mm. which is why something like Get Out works so well. Because yep. you're piecing together what's what's really happening there. And yeah, I, I, I really, it's, it's, it's really sophisticated storytelling. And watching them back to back, like you just said, The Good Son just feels so featherweight compared to this, which feels like a meaty horror experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Georgina said it feels like the Disney Channel version of this story, which is funny <laughs> that it's on Disney Plus now. But, but yeah, it, it looks like a TV movie now in comparison. Mm. Considering it's a tw- it was a twenty million dollar movie. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it does look like a Hallmark movie mm. of the week. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and find out uh, what they did with Jessica's ashes. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
So, Jessica, uh, the baby that didn't make it, uh, Kate shows Esther the shrine to Jessica where they buried her ashes, the roses. As long as this plant grows, a part of her will always be alive inside it. Mm. Bad fucking idea, Kate. <laughs> Don't tell Esther that. That may come back. <laughs> so, uh, Kate... Now she's adopted Esther. Uh, she's feeling horny again. Mm. That's what. That's what happens. That's what happens. Uh, you get. You know. She's got a family unit again. She's done something. She's feeling good about it. Uh, so she and John are getting it on. Who should walk in? But Esther. Uh, so Kate feel obliged to have the birds and the bees talk with Esther about it. When two people love each other, Esther says, "I know. They fuck." I mean. <laughs> I don't know about... I'm not a prude, mm. but, you know... Should they be fucking in the kitchen yeah, when they've got kids in going the house? Yeah, going at it from behind on the kitchen counter mm. when you've got kids in the house. I don't... I'm, neither I, of them drink are drunk as well. Neither mm. of them are drinking, neither of them are drunk. That's normally sort of like when you're... you're uh, what's, the, what's the word? What's my brain frozen? Uh, you're... Fucking hell. What's the word? What's, judgment, what? fuck yeah, it. yeah. When your judgment's off, and you're just like, oh, go on then, and then a kid walks, and you're like, well, you shouldn't have had that half a bottle of wine. But this mm. is like them stone cold sober, knowing there's a new kid in the house. Uh, mm. It's like it's it's a, we don't know their sleeping habits. Max and Daniel might sleep through the night. Esther might not. They don't know. And sure enough, there she is. Yeah, it just feels like another example of not the best parenting. Yeah. Or am I am I show, sounding like a prude? I don't know. I mean. It's necessary again, though, obviously, because here we're sort of like Esther, you know, just sort of looks and enjoys. Or maybe not enjoys, but she certainly Well, it's what she wants to be doing. Well, that's it. As it turns out. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, red flag number two uh, so far. Nine-year-old knows about sex. Kate is now getting a little suspicious of Esther, but uh, John is like, it's all good. Stop worrying. John's a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe this is even uh, in, this is dated now. A nine-year-old knowing that word. I mean, that's not that crazy, is it? And knowing what sex is. I mean, I'm sure they all do now because of you know the internet. I know. I think it's more the way Esther says it, though. Sure. I think, and this is the yes. thing because, yeah. and this is why again the movie's pretty clever because when Kate reports shit back to John, it's like you just said. He's like. What? So what? The kids said fuck. You know, everyone mm. knows the word now. Yeah. But like, he hasn't been there to see her go, I know. Yeah. They fuck. It's about how it's said, the intonation, mm. the way she looks directly in her eyes. Ah, you're absolutely right. Uh, but John is a bit of an idiot, uh, as we'll discover, which is why uh, his, late, uh, his later experience, you don't have a lot of sympathy for him. Uh, so... Get a little more, again, you said this, throw him fucking everything at this. Mm. Get a little more John here where he's conscious of his appearance in front of another mum because, as we're going to find out, he had an affair uh, 10 years ago. Mm. Only told her about it two years ago. Don't know how important this is other than it gives Esther some ammunition to throw a cat amongst the pigeons. Um, Speaking of pigeons, Daniel's killed one or maimed one and Mm. Esther has dropped a rock on the fucking thing without batting an eyelid. We get the surprisingly sinister stalking around the climbing frame bit. The climbing frame. I think it's difficult to make a climbing frame scary. I think it. I, I think uh, Joame does a very good job here. Really? Do you not? Yeah. I, like I mean, it. it looks like a cracking climbing frame. I call it a climbing house. It's there's a lot going on there. Yeah. It's a, it's a climbing mansion. I think there was a climbing frame. A big. 
I think I might have told this story before. In fact, I probably have. So strap in, Chris, because I know you love these moments. There was a one, Harewood House, was it? In, was it Harewood House in Leeds? Anyway, there was a massive, massive timber, like a huge off the ground, like climbing frame. And like you'd be running along it and just segments of the walkway were missing. Too big to jump. Wow. Just huge gaps. And I think they took it down because kids would just be like playing chase and not mm. see that for some reason they hadn't finished the walkway and fall through it. It was mad. Different times. More exciting times. Like my treehouse. Oh, can get away with it now. Right. Where did we get to? So, Esther at this point, how are you feeling about her? Because I, uh, during this climbing frame stalking exercise, very much on her side. It's the carry thing. She's been wronged by this little bitch at school, mm. taking the piss out of her, knocking her stuff on the floor, or at least laughing at her. That's Daniel who knocks her stuff on the floor. But anyway. Yeah, and she called her little Bo Peep, didn't she? Yeah. So um, you do want Esther to exact some revenge on her. Yes, but unfortunately, I'm watching it with the knowledge she's a 33-year-old woman. <laughs> so I'm not feeling the sympathy you might have felt at this point. Right. I'm just watching a, a psychotic serial killer. Yeah, you see, I am because, and it's that thing, she's eccentric. And it's like, you know, you're sort of very much like, oh, so what? Just because she's a bit different. Did I ever mention I carried a briefcase at school? Mm. Right. Uh, so uh, her brother, Daniel, right little shit. Um, where are we now? Max. Oh, Max. Poor Max. Mm. Max sees her push Brenda mm. uh, and then covers for her. Yep. Oh, I know. She's got a clause into Max. Um, but I guess any allegiance uh, we had with Esther uh, vanishes in the moment that she's playing the piano really well, having pretended not to be able, and turns to Kate and says, it must be frustrating for someone who loves you, who loves music like you, to have a son who doesn't play and a daughter who can't hear. See, for a master criminal, she's starting to say things that are giving herself away. So what is her plan? I mean, does she like the game? Is she a bit like Henry in that respect? Except, obviously, adults. Like, because... Well, I guess we learn her thing is wanting to uh, the, the dad to fall in love with her. Mm. And so... Because we saw this... the photo in the Bible earlier from the previous family. She's kept that little trinket. Yeah, of, of, of multiple men. Um, and, yes, I don't see how giving herself away to mum plays into that plan... Um, Unless she's trying to get the mum to do things to her to make the mum look mad and get taken away, which I, I which think, does is what play what ends up happening. So yeah, some of them don't seem to work as well, but that I think that's what it is. Yeah, so it's she, winding up the mum, mm. so the mum is going to the dad, and the dad is seeing this completely like po polar Agreed. opposite of what the mum is saying, and so it's making the mum look unhinged. But she's literally telling the mum now, I'm with the, with that sentence, I am manipulating you. Yes, yes, and she so is. that feels like a dangerous game to play, but. In the rules of the in in this story, it works. It does because we are like, yeah, that's mad. The mum should totally be like that. And the fact that we're on the mum's side, it's like, yeah, but only us and Kate have seen Esther do that. Yeah. So then we're all as angry with everyone else, especially John and the therapist, because what's going to happen? Well, Sister Abigail comes back first of all to warn the family there could be something wrong with Esther. A lot of accidents. Esther's always there. Mm, Fights, stealing. Yeah. As you say, arson, um, scissors in face, I think. Yep. Information that was all 
I think you're legally obliged to say that stuff. If not legally, morally. <laughs> you just seem to really like her drawings of the lion, so I just didn't feel it was the right moment to tell you. She, I mean, how they, justi- how they justify it is by saying, uh, because of her religion, it flies in the face of what she believes that a child could be evil, mm. uh, which is what the therapist, I think, says in The Good Son, doesn't it? Oh, no, a therapist in this one says that later. But um, it's a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. I think you're supposed to say this stuff. Yeah, well, in case you were like, oh, Sister Abigail, you fucked up there. She did, uh, because Esther now takes a hammer to her brain uh, Mm. twice over. I like the bit where Sister Abigail is still alive and Esther's back again, Mm. wielding that same hammer. It's grim. Do you think think she was trying to kill Max by pushing her in front of the car? No. No? No, no, no. I I think she truly believed that the nun, uh, Sister Abigail, would swerve out of the way. It wouldn't Mm. fit into her plan at all if she'd killed Max. I mean, how? let's reversion it. So the nun had hit Max. I don't know. I'm Mm. sure Esther could have found a way to... I feel like she's taking a chance pushing Max in front of a car. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Funny image, though, of two little girls hiding a body. I mean, yeah. ble- blackly, bleakly funny, but yeah. very funny. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of black humour in the next few scenes, really, isn't there? <clears throat> I'll cut your hairless little prick off before you work out what it's for. You pissed yourself. <laughs> uh, so John finally caves in at this point. Kate's banging on about taking her to the shrink. So obviously off they go to the therapist and whoa. Therapist takes Esther's side. Kate did not see that. Coming. No, no, no one has Kate's back. No, there's a lot of maybe rightly belief in in Kate's inadequacy as a mother. I mean, we've talked. You know, we've said we there are there are flashes here where she is really a terrible mother. It's a problem, though. I just don't think any therapist like uses like someone's like it feels. So many times they use, if not the therapist, then John, use her like trauma against her. Mm. Like uh, as if saying, but we don't believe you because of this happening in your life or because you like you uh, an alcoholic for a while. It's never given that name. It's just like Mm. an accident happened to Max while she was drinking a lot. You know, and as Kate says earlier to, you know, evil Grandma Barbara, she goes, there's a difference. You know, I didn't go to AA. I just stopped drinking. Mm. And that is a difference. So Uh, is this a badly written therapist or is this a therapist who's purposely written to be a bad therapist? It's it's the second. Mm. I don't don't think anyone. Well, then it's fine. The the annoyance that we're feeling then, the anger you're feeling towards this character is what you're supposed to feel. We're supposed to be in Kate's shoes here. Yes. You know? Because yeah. only only we know the truth that she knows and Esther knows. It's true. It is kind of infuriating, though, when you see people in jobs where you're like, excuse me, I think it skirts. I think it skirts the very edges of what is acceptable in writing a character. Agreed. I think and we said it on Monday that the, both these um, therapists, it's, they don't give therapy a good name. No, no, they don't. So things get taken to the next level. Uh, now, uh, Kate begins to realise she has been outmaneuvered by a kid. So she tries to escape in the night. Uh, cue a hilarious and great scene where she wanders into Max's bedroom to spirit her away into the night. And who should be sitting there who turns on the light? Hello, Kate. <laughs> Going somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bit more backstory now. Another little soup song, gradually drip-fed from the Sarn Institute. That's where Esther was, and that ain't no orphanage. 
It's a mental hospital. Esther tries to kill Daniel twice, uh, once by burning down a treehouse. Sorry, three times. Once by setting fire to his treehouse, then dropping a rock on his head and then suffocating him in hospital. Yeah, Daniel's a dick, but he doesn't deserve this. I think they, they've gone, look, he's a real dick, so we have to do it three times for people to go, OK, actually, do you know what? No one's that much of a dick at that age. Um, and then, obviously, oh... Kate finally cracks and slaps Esther. And so she gets sedated and left in hospital because you can't slap kids. Yeah, but th- is this after she's picked the roses? Oh, shit, did I skip? Yeah, I skip uh, and, and it's after she's broken her arm in a vice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's after she's turfed mum out of bed, so mum's now sleeping downstairs. <laughs> and it's after she's... Um, turns off the handbrake so the car hammers down the hill and lands in the snow. Yep. I think it's after all that. Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> so her snapping and slapping a 32-year-old woman is much more understandable yeah. when you add those up. Yeah, but you still can't slap kids. And Red Kate's diary. Yes. Um, so we, we, she talks about her almost letting Max die in the pond. Um, yeah. Okay, but- I just wanted to... Mention those because yep. I felt like they're all they're all very important. relevant. There's so much going on in this movie, but yeah, the the bit with the flowers is great because John's like, no, it's my fault. I told I told her to do something nice for Mummy. How was she to know? And then she's like, she, she knew. And you're like, yes, yeah, she did. John, really, <laughs> you are fucking going to die in this movie, and Grandma Barbara's going to survive, and that's not good. So John takes Esther home with Max leaving his wife at the hospital, which means that he can now smoke and drink in the house. He cracks open a bottle of wine and lights a cigarette. He's loving the fact that he's on his own, Mm. except he's not really. Also, he drinks one bottle of wine and is absolutely fuckoed. Yeah, I think this is the only real mistake Juami makes here because it's that is the visual language for when someone's on drugs. When you're looking out through their eyes and the, and the, and everything's wobbly, mm. that's just what we know this as. So, I'm and I feel after one bottle of wine, you aren't acting like that. No. Um, and so, has Esther drugged the wine? Well, no, she hasn't because we would have seen that, we would have been shown that. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking about that rather than what's actually happening. And I just feel like he just and the, you know he's obviously trying to act that way, but he's he's acting. It's not his strongest star scene, I don't think. No. No, it's not. I mean, they need him to be really, really wasted. Uh, so they need to find another way of doing that because mm. obviously Esther, like, he doesn't immediately realise that Esther is hitting on him. Mm. So the own, you know, he's got have a, he has a delayed reaction. Doesn't really look at her properly. Doesn't see her in the makeup and the dress. Doesn't sense like how awkward this yes, is. Yes, the so danger he's in. Yeah, so it, it, he's got to be wasted. It's just a scene that doesn't quite work. Yeah, just give and it, she's great as well. It's just you know, it's the way it's shot and the way it plays out. So it means it's time for uh, the movie to play its royal flush. Lot, lot of exposition, a lot to take in. Go on then. <laughs> uh, she's not nine. She's got a rare hormone disorder, proportional dwarfism. She's 33 years old. The scars that she has on her neck and her wrist that we haven't seen are from the straight jacket she was put in. She's yep. killed seven people that they know out. Yep. They know of. At this point, um, she's pulling out her teeth, this, I think. Uh, that's... Genuinely, if I, I haven't written it, I don't think it's my favourite scene. But in terms of sort of horror language, mm. like her pulling out, her, like her little baby child's teeth. I don't mm. think they would be milk teeth. What? How old? Maybe they are. How old is she in this? She's nine. 
could be baby teeth, mm. pulling out a brace with baby teeth on it to reveal like her real teeth below, mm-hmm. like thirty-three-year-old teeth that have been hidden. I was going to say well. they're not. I mean, they're not. They're not healthy teeth. No, because they've been buried under a brace that yes. she's had to wear this whole time. Yeah, to yeah. Keep Be- up this image. Yeah, and because the brace thing, uh, the, the the dental thing, I think you've thought, oh, is it? She doesn't want them to know about her dental records, but no, it's because they're not her blooming teeth. But yeah, we're oh, told. Oh shit! Yeah. I never know. Yeah, mm. I thought it was dental records. No, because they're not Cause fucking teeth. A dentist uh, can take one look at them and go, <laughs> "What the fuck?" Yeah. Uh, and we also learned that when she couldn't seduce the father, she killed him and the whole family. Yes. And um, we also, are we, am I right in thinking she's taking off like swaddling or bandages that she's wrapped around herself to keep her chest very uh, close? Yeah, maybe so. Close to her. Maybe so. There's a lot, there's a lot happening here. Uh, so, yeah, um, this is the bit that I, I, I don't yes. think needs to be in it, where John, mm. like, it, it is fine at this point. Kate has discovered what's going on. She's rushing home. Like, John's had a drink and is absolutely hammered. Mm. Um, I don't think we need him to go upstairs and find mm. the crazy drawings mm. on the wall. I don't think we even need to him to know before he dies. And, like, he can certainly think this kid is weird, but I don't think we need to know... Like he already knows that from her sort of hitting on him. We just don't need like other than the <laughs> other than the sort of the graphics being kind of fun to use at the start of the movie yeah. to give it an identity. There's no reason. I agree. It's like an additional twist. Oh, once the black lights on, you get it. It, it is based in something real, though. I do know that when um, you adopt an older child who's who's been maybe several homes Hmm. that one thing they suggest you to do when they arrive is in their bedroom let them draw on the walls and do whatever they want because they need to know that this place is theirs it belongs to them and they won't be leaving because there's this Ah. fear of you know rejection and 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 this is no this is it for you for now so that that's probably come out of real life um investigation into adoption but yeah it just just cut it it's just silly because also the drawings look silly as well um, they're just very scatter shot. I think something. But I think there's a naked picture of him shagging her. Yes, that, it looks funny. I mean, then it's, then it's bad. like skeleton, say that. It's skeletons hanging upside down. It's people, sort of demons with pitchforks. It's yeah. sort of it's it's general, you know, weird darkness. It's not. I think less is more in this instance. If you are going to do that, just yes. one big picture of the parents having sure. sex that would work. Anyway, I was wondering whether John was still going to live at this point. I won't lie. I, didn't, I agree. I didn't yeah. think he was uh, going to die. I didn't think he was either. That was answered pretty fast. Uh, he gets stabbed to death. Mm. Um, you want some face acting? When Kate, who's rushed home, sees her dead husband, she's great in this moment because you're like, he's been a bit of a prick and he's left you sedated in hospital, mm. taken Esther's side. So you're like, oh, okay. The movie's told me he's a bit of an idiot slash prick, but you don't ever think that when she sees him, when Kate sees him and she's like, oh my God, Mm. like you realise at that moment that this was all superficial stuff and it was stuff that Esther had manipulated and actually this marriage was totally salvageable Mm -hmm. and, you know, had he not died, Kate was definitely going to be like, forget the infidelity, forget the fact you haven't listened to me, I love you, Mm. and you see all that in her face. Mm. Mm. Uh, and she's, I mean, I love the fact she drives the car into the house. Brilliant. It's a great touch. Um, she finds, she then finds candles in the bedroom and roses on the bed. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like trying to piece this together. Um, yeah, she, 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 she uh, delivers with the face acting. Mm. Um, 
you know, and they set up the greenhouse nicely. Max can't hear now. It, I mean, it's it's quite a lengthy climax. It sort of it goes. It's there's sort of four parts to it, but I think it works. I like it. I, I certainly wasn't bored at this point, and I'll tell you for why because I came up with my final Ooh, wrong guess at this point. Let's hear this because I started wondering who really truly knows, especially on U.S. soil, that Esther is a 33-year-old woman. Yes. And when the cops arrive, are they going to blame a kid, a nine-year-old kid, or are they going to blame the woman who was recently sedated Mm -hmm. for slapping a child at hospital? So in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, Kate's going to go down for this, which makes the whole thing way more exciting because by this point, you want Esther to get it. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Thought it was good. Thought it was good. Final fight on the frozen pond. That killer exchange. Please Mm. don't let me die, mommy. I'm not your fucking mommy. Mm. She delivers it so well. It's such a great payoff. Yeah. Boots her in the head. Kicks her in the face back into the water. Mm. Um, So you you don't feel sorry for Esther here then? No. (laughs) No, 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 no. Not at all. No, I spent the she's first half... Look, she's just looking for love. Yeah. She she wants the childhood she never had. Yeah. She doesn't... She's, she's, she's full of pain. She's been hurt in horrific ways. She doesn't kill a dog like Henry does on no. Monday. So she's got that going for her. She she's, kills a pigeon that Daniel's actually injured. She, she's an orphan. Yeah, I mean, look... She just doesn't want to transition into adulthood. I see where you're going she, with this. I mean, look, if it wasn't Kate, if it was Esther and Daniel having a fight, I'd take <laughs> Esther over Daniel any day. He's a right little shit. Uh, but this is Kate, and I'm I'm with her. I feel like she's had a lot thrown at her unjustly by other adults as well as Esther. So I'm like, you deserve a win at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to know the alternate ending, which I watched? Uh, oh, my God. It might be my change, but go on, tell me. It's not far off what you were just talking about, to be honest. Um, so we're back at the house. Um, her face is covered in cuts and blood. Um, Esther. Right. So I don't know how this fits in, but I think it's just after maybe the greenhouse scene. Uh, but she's singing and she's making herself up with makeup. She puts her teeth back in. She puts her dress on. Um, she leaves the room. She's walked down the stairs as the police are arriving and looking around. She introduces herself and greets the cops with a curtsy. And they just let her walk by because no one sees her a threat. And she sort of walks out of the house. And, and so I think the idea there is she's going to get away with this. Wow. Mm. I mean, it's not it's not a great ending compared to what we got. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have that killer line, but that's no. uh, that would make this uh, this new movie, Orphan First Kill, probably uh, an easier film to make mm. because it could potentially be a sequel. Whereas uh, this sequel, uh, Orphan First Kill, is actually a prequel. Uh, but Isabel Furman is back to play Esther, mm. and uh, despite being what ten years older, over ten years older, uh, the filmmakers uh, have not used digital effects. I've, I've read about this. They're actually using in camera a combination of makeup effects and camera tricks to make her still look believable in the role. I I don't know how they're going to do that. Well, she, she's, she's remained quite young-looking girl. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, look, it sounds like it works. Yeah. Although it has been on the shelf for a couple of years, I think. So I don't know, I don't know the story. Haven't been able to see it. We can't, can't tell you if it's any good. But, I mean, I'm pretty excited to watch this. Yep, me too. Me too, because she's... Freaking great. Uh, she's a proper horror villain. Like, in one movie, you're suddenly raised to the level of, yep, mm. I get you, you're up there. Mm. Definitely in the top ten, if not the top five. 
Uh, so the little bit of controversy I mentioned at the top of the show, um, Warner Brothers uh, got into trouble from uh, the adoption community uh, because they said the film promotes negative stereotypes about orphans. Um, they changed the initial voiceover from the trailer. So the original voiceover was, it must be difficult to love an adopted child as much as your own, to Esther going, I don't think mummy likes me very much. Yeah, but I don't know. That's a, that's a line in the film. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's what they changed. But oh. then I don't know why they didn't change it in the film. If you're just changing it in a trailer, you're not you're not doing anything. Yeah. If, that's if you true. do believe that this is a problem, and and it, yeah, it must be hard to love an adopted child as much as your own. Um, Esther says that. Of course she does. To yes. her dad in the film. So I think that's the line. It wasn't voiceover. I think that's the line. They... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. So yeah, I don't know what the point of that is. If you if 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 you do think there's an issue there, um, but also I think we're grown ups enough to. Yeah. I guess the other thing is that the, that idea of the other, you know, it's sort of like she's from Eastern Europe. Yes, it got criticised for demonising, you know, someone from that region. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, all that stuff's messy. Yeah. Um, Warner Brothers said, look, it's a work of fiction. It's not depicting real life events. So, you know, we didn't want to offend anyone with one of our products, which is always sexy. The studio calls a movie a product. Uh, shall we do the bits? Yeah. Great. Uh, best scene? Um, it is when Kate slaps her adopted daughter in the face. <laughs> um, it's just so satisfying. Her line there, what did you do, bitch? And the force at which she comes at her. Um, she's 33 years old. We know at this point. So um, We don't. No, we don't. We uh, we, yeah, we just know that she's that she's come from a um, psychiatric hospital. Yes, rather than yeah, but a, we um, think she's still a child. I figured it out because I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's really a, a great bit of film. So you kind of knew the twist uh, before you saw sure. it. Yeah. So, I mean, fundamentally for me, it's... Um, oh, forget mm. the actor's name. He's really good. He plays the Russian gangster in um, Rock and Roller. Uh, anyway, he's just great and where he just says... She's a grown woman, and you're like, world explodes. Is it Carol Roden? Yes. Yeah, it would have been mine. And also, and we've got to give a shout out to kicking her in the face at the end. Yeah, of course. I'm not your fucking mommy. Go, Vera Farmiga. Well, let's move on to MVW. Uh, I'll start. It's a toss up for me between Isabel Furman and Vera Farmiga. Uh, which are you going for, or are you going for something different? Um, it's not a toss-up for me. It's Isabel Furman. Okay, okay. Because you've just put her in top five. Yeah. You know, horror villains of all time. To- uh, well, woman horror villains because we haven't got many of them. Mm. Yep, it's true. Yeah, this should have been this should have been the start of a you franchise. Know, yeah, and obviously we're getting this prequel, but equally, I don't like prequels because we know she can't die at the end, and you've got to have that jeopardy in your horror film. True. Um, but I think she could have gone. And I also, I think we could have bought that she survived under the ice. Whatever, yeah. you know, we, we just we're primed to under to believe that. And so I think we could have we should have had a bunch of these films. Yeah, that would be great. With her trying to sleep with more dads, <laughs> David Morse in the next one. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean Isabel Furman. Sure, I just really want to give like you know go, a go shout out to Vera Farmiga because her, you know she hasn't played a a, a, a female horror villain uh, or a horror villain at all. So who knows if she did that? Maybe she'd be the best ever. But she has you know appeared in so many great horrors that I love, and I just I think she's just great. She's a really good actress. Yeah. 
Uh, right then, what would you change, Chris? I think, I think we set, I think we set a lot of stuff up here with Kate and her drinking. I think we should have a scene where Esther spikes Mummy's drink, and so Mummy's getting drunk without realizing it. It's better than discovering a second bottle of wine. That's for sure. Agreed. I bought two. Oh yeah, I poured one away, but then I just didn't pour the second away. Mm. Fine. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I'm. I said on Monday, mine is uh, not dissimilar to yours on Monday. I, I, there is a small part of me. It's not quite the ending that uh, you said was the alternative ending. Uh, I would love a really bleaker ending like the Omen. I think uh, the 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 deranged Kate, as far as the authorities are concerned, mm. is believed to have been responsible for murdering her husband and trying to kill Esther. Yeah. We see her being driven off in the back of a police car at the end, while the therapist. Mm. Hold, holds Esther's hand or something yeah. like that. The and, idea that she's beginning another journey with another family not far away, like the sequels we could have had. And, and we talk about this, we talked about this with Get Out, which had a bleaker ending that mm. they changed. And it's like, I always think the bleak ending in horror is the better ending. But as an audience, what kind of film have you watched? What do you need at the end? Do you need the catharsis of, of good winning? Yeah. And I think with this one, you did. I think we get out. I'm still on the fence. I think they went with the right ending, but I think because it was about a much more serious subject, packaged in a sort of fun way, it, could, it would have been interesting. Um, wouldn't have made as much money, I don't think. But um, yeah, I think I like that ending better, but I think we need to see yeah. it kicked in the face. Fucking yes. I'm not your fucking mommy. Yeah, you <laughs> Come on. Line. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and also no fish tanks. Right, that is Orphan done. So, are we ready? For the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! I think so. Has has Vicky returned your text? Oh, good question. I'll check now. Um, do, do, do. Oh, for God's sake. What's my winner for what? What does this mean? Oh, for God's sake. Don't bother. Don't bother. Don't bother. I think I think we're on the same page here, so yeah. it's going to be fine. Yeah, I'll start then. Uh, it's an easy one for me this week. Uh, while I did love evil uh, Macaulay Kilkin on Monday, nothing beats that twist in Orphan, so 100% Orphan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, The Good Son is sick, but this is really sick. I've got to question the morals and the motives of the people who made it, and I'm really glad they did. Mm. Um, it's just properly entertaining horror, and it's right. just—it's a diff—it's in a different league to The Good Son. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen a horror as good as this in a long time. Really? This was really, really. Oh, good I'm fun. glad you liked it, and really I'm glad you weren't listening to me last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a uh, winner. No thanks to Vicky. What does this mean? She's never <laughs> even from the other side of Europe. She still can't get the verdict right. This is <laughs> this is a section she's never fully. Comprehended, understood, and and even now, what, what's really, your winner? It's what's like, your what? What's she think we're talking about? She knows it's a, she knows it's literally record time. Yeah, or maybe maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's just totally switched off. Right then, let's talk about next week. Uh, so. Uh, don't forget, though, uh, in the meantime, if you disagree and The Good Son was really the better film, you can have your say. Tell us how right or wrong you think we were when the listener poll goes live on Twitter. Right, now we're talking about next week. So I'm going to announce our guest. Is that all right? Do what you got to do, mate. All right. I do got to do this. Uh, we're being joined. No, we'll keep it a surprise. <laughs> no, what? It's up and down, burning hot and cold. Who knows? I'm like a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. Uh, so... 
Uh, my choices, the clue I gave on Monday was don't fuck with his surrogate family. <laughs> don't fuck with his surrogate family. Uh, which means next week our clash is Man on Fire versus John Wick. Big week. Can you tell what I'm doing right now, Chris, that I haven't done already? Sure. Have you checked? No. Great. I've been in Amsterdam. Oh, watch Man on Fire. Fine. Okay, so you can see Man on Fire. Oh, it's available on Netflix. Uh, and actually, I've already watched John Wick, and I'm pretty sure that is on Amazon. So anyway, mm. they're both out there. But if you do have Netflix, uh, then you can go and get your Man on Fire on there. Uh, so that is our pair next week. A very exciting week it is as well. Do your homework. Man on Fire on Monday. John Wick on Thursday next week. In the meantime, don't forget to check in with us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, where we are at ClashPod. And also tell your friends about us, just like Lucy did at the top of this show telling her sister Kate all about us tell them to subscribe on Apple Spotify or wherever they get their podcasts speak to you on Monday have a great weekend bye bye Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network Let's get this dinner party started.